Quantum Marketing Radio, the marketing podcast for insurance agents and financial professionals. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy. Jeff Thompson here. Hello, everyone. And we have a treat for you today. We're uh, bringing Kevin Donlin on the show here shortly. And uh, he's somebody that's been involved in the marketing since uh, really the early 90s. Um, we'll have to get to the story at some point, but he sold one of his first, um, one of the first ebooks online, uh, payable by check, and you had to mail it into the post office. Um, what a what a ways we've come since 1994. From there, uh, 1995 to 98, he was webmaster for FedEx.com, where he worked for you know one of the pioneers of online marketing. Uh, since 1998, he's been a copywriter and marketing advisor for clients, uh, small to big, delivering sales gains of more than a million dollars for some clients with direct mail and online marketing. He's been interviewed by um, ABC TV in Detroit, uh, the local TV affiliates here in Minneapolis, CBS Radio in LA and New York, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Fortune Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, really the list goes on and on. Uh, he's also co-authored or authored five books, including the forthcoming book, Marketing Multipliers. And uh, we have uh, the pleasure of bringing him onto our program today. And uh, Kevin, really an expert in direct response marketing. So we thank you for your time uh, for our listeners. Hi, Louie. Jeff, thanks for having me. It's great to be here today. Hey, Kevin. We gotta, I got to, before we dig into uh, what you're doing today, take us back to 1994. Uh, you write an ebook. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't think I was Jeff. I don't think I was online until maybe 1999. What was that landscape like in terms of marketing a product? Well, um, we're talking about the wild, wild west in 1994. There was no uh, web. It was all text-based, and I sold something on this thing called Usenet, which was a series of uh, bulletin boards. I made a small fortune. By small, I mean about 300 bucks. But I sold, uh, it wasn't called an ebook. I didn't even know what that word meant until about 15 years ago. But it was just a text file. And I could advertise it by just really, in just a few words at the end of a post on Usenet would say, uh, to learn how you can find a job on the internet, send me an email. You, you could not uh, blatantly advertise on Usenet or you would be flamed was the word, which means you'd be shouted down or banned from the discussion. But so people sent me an email. And I would reply with my little sales letter. And if you thought it was a good idea, you would mail me a check for $10. And on the memo line, you had to write your email address. And I would uh, go down to the post office a couple times a week, collected the checks, sent the ebook out by email, and people were happy. And uh, that was how I got my feet wet with online marketing in 1994. And uh, since then, it's been a wild ride. Um, I was, uh, yeah, as you said, I was webmaster for FedEx for three years. Um, worked alongside some real, real pioneers in online marketing. And since 1998, I've been living by my wits and by my words. It's ironic that uh, I got my start writing online um, you know, copies, uh, emails, and, and posts on Usenet. Because a lot of what I do today is offline. It's direct mail or it's printed stuff. And we're going to be talking about that um, today as one of the themes. If you can get real and tangible with your marketing, you can increase the trust factor, 
make people more disposed to doing business with you. So it's a, I've kind of come full circle, and uh, there's a real synergy that you can get. You know, one plus one equals three if you get your online and your offline marketing to work together. And so I'm excited to share some ideas with you guys today. So Kevin, this is Jeff. Um, I discovered you a little bit by accident, but probably not by accident on your part. Um, and I found uh, your client cloning kit. And uh, this is a really neat lumpy mail piece that you send out with some great usable tools in here. Um, and I was looking for solutions, you know, as a wholesaler in the insurance industry uh, to help agents improve their marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess I want to start off with, you know, what are some of the common mistakes you see insurance agents and financial advisors make in their marketing? Uh, I know you've worked with lots of different industries and that financial guy is being one of them. So love to hear yeah. your take on that. Yeah, so it's funny that we're, by the way, we're having this interview as a result of something I sent you in the mail. You trusted me. You thought my ideas were good. You, you did some more research, and here we are. So you're kind of yep. proving the case that um, getting something tangible into the hands of your prospects is a good idea. It's more affordable than you think. So this, this it, we're answering kind of the problem that's the number one problem, I, the number one mistake, I think, that a lot of uh, business owners, whether you're in insurance, finance, whatever, especially if you're selling a tangible service is trying to do everything online, trying to do everything with email or social media or your website because it's just a mistake. And if you can get something real and tangible into the hands of your prospects, a whole bunch of good things will happen to you. To back up just a bit, the, the client cloning kit that I sent out to you and I sent everyone by mail, it's a printed version of what you can get online from my website. It's a download, but in your case, I print the thing, I put it in a tube. I roll the, I even print it on colored paper, roll the reports up, put it in a, a plastic tube. There are red rubber caps on the end. It looks like a pipe bomb. I actually had people get questioned by the post office, you know, what is this thing? Uh, no one's had to put it in a bucket of water yet, but that would not, uh, you know, it wouldn't tick me off. At least people are responding to the thing. But, um, I was going to go know. with uh, baton, but pipe <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, this is attention grabbing. Yeah, this is all stuff you can get off of the Uline catalog, Uline.com. This is, you know, Office Supplier 101. I just put it together in a unique combination. But listeners should Google, there's this thing, it's called the Millward Brown Case Study. Uh, Millward Brown Case Study. It's about using neuroscience in your marketing. Now, don't be alarmed. What we're talking about is, you know, um, the, the research has shown that physical materials actually seem more real to your brain than stuff you see on a screen. So the stuff that you're holding, Jeff, um, it's, it's actually, it's more real to you. Not only is it real, you're holding it in your hands, but it's making different connections in your brain. Different parts of your brain are lighting up completely different parts of your brain compared to what you see on a screen, an email or a video. So when something is real and you're holding it, um, according to the research in this study, which is really fascinating stuff, it has more meaning, it has more place, it's better connected to your memory, it's engaging with your spatial memory networks in your brain. So your message is more real. Guess what? You are more real, and as a result, you are more trustworthy. So simply by getting a tangible version of your marketing message into the hands of your prospects, you become more trustworthy. Everything else can stay the same. So it's really a, a fascinating little edge that you can give your business is to get offline as quickly as you can. Um, the same research, by the way, it shows that physical materials 
involve more emotional processing in your brain. So that's more important for memory and brand association. So I can go on and on, but if you could see the brain scans, and you can find this case study online, um, your brain lights up like a Christmas tree when you're holding something tangible. And it, it can only happen when you take the time and expense, and it's not too costly, believe me. Um, this is more affordable than you think to get a direct mail piece or a book or a booklet, something tangible and real into the hands of your prospects, and that can change the game for you. It does seem like it is a, as a follow-up here, a big mistake that people are, are probably making in our business as they're transitioning onto the internet. Uh, that seems to be the hot topic and everybody's trying to do everything digital. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're moving away from this. So that's a great, great tip for people to pay attention to. I look forward to reading that study. Yeah, it's a fascinating study. And really, people confuse the, the ideas of being efficient with being sure it's more efficient to send everything out by email or, 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 or social media. But is it more effective? And I would say probably not. In most cases, you cannot and should not abandon your offline marketing efforts. They can work together. That's fine. But really, you know, being efficient with your clients and your prospects, it's like being efficient with your teenage daughter or your, or your spouse. Uh, if you try to get every conversation done as quickly as possible, yeah, you're being efficient, congratulations. But your family stops talking to you in a few days and uh, home life becomes a nightmare. It's because it's better to be effective than efficient. So think of your prospects and clients like family members treat them accordingly. You would never email your mom uh, an email Mother's Day card. You would never send your spouse uh, an email bouquet uh, on Mother's Day or Father's Day. So just there's a time to get uh, online, that's fine, but there's a time to be tangible and offline and real, and it's more often than you think. Now, Kevin, I know you've consulted across, um, you know, almost just about almost every industry out there. Of course, our listeners are mostly insurance agents and financial advisors. Can you give us some examples of uh, campaigns you've worked on and some of the direct mail that you've sent out that has, um, you know, the, that's unique and is getting better response rates than uh, typical mailers? I'll give you a theme that can work in insurance or financial services. It's really getting away from the nuts and the bolts of the money saved and you know the return on investment and the dollars and the, and the analytical stuff that's just you know that's just the table stakes to get into the game if you can save money and time fine but so can everybody else you really start to see your marketing take off when you get when you can get more emotional and i saw um, a life insurance agent in the state of new york he had uh, a campaign that just was blown out it blew everything else he did out of the water i helped him a little bit he, he didn't much of the work himself before he came to me. But basically, he told the story in a direct mail piece about a guy who had come into his office and got a quote on a life insurance policy, and he said, I'm going to think about it. Well, driving home on the way home, back from the office, he was killed in a car accident, and his family um, suffered because they didn't have good life insurance protection. They had to move from their nice house to the wrong side of the tracks. Kids had to be pulled out of the private school, put into the, the crappy public school. It was just a downward spiral, and it was a really awful story. It happened to be true. And so simply by putting this story uh, on paper as a letter and saying, here's the experience I had, he mailed it out to his, uh, the people on his list. And um, as you can imagine, he was besieged. People were 
coming in and scheduling appointments, he sold a boatload of insurance off of that. And it's because it was an emotional appeal. You've really got to um, make people feel what you're trying to sell them. It's got to hit them emotionally. And frankly, the negative emotions are typically going to outsell the positive emotions, all things being equal. So if you can tell a story of loss or um, envy, greed, I mean, it's not pretty stuff. But uh, typically, the negative emotions are going to outsell the positive ones. And, and you've got to find emotional stories that can drive home your message, because that's what's going to move people to action. And that's insurance, finance, anything. I just wrote a piece for a guy selling um, test prep software. And he had the best sales day in memory the next day after we made some changes. And one of the themes of, of this um, sales piece I wrote for him was, Mom, Dad, I just got rejected. And it's about kids not getting into the school of their dreams because they flubbed their ACT or their SAT. And I was just simply making it very real that there's going to be, you know, there's loss. Bad things can happen if you don't take the right actions. Now, stepping back, um, this may seem manipulative or cold, but I never, ever do anything like this on a project that does not come with a money-back guarantee. So you've got to be smart about what you're selling here, and you've got to stand behind your service, your product. Um, you don't want to stick it to anybody because word gets out and it's never going to last for you for very long. But if you can bring home an emotional um, story to really drive home the point of you know what you're selling, uh, how it's going to affect the person or their family, that can change the game for you. So I guess to to summarize all this, it's it's really to try to take the emotional angle when selling your service or your product, and you'll get much better results than if you just try to sell. Uh, on features and benefits. So Kevin, this is Jeff again. Um, just as a follow-up, uh, I've heard it said by sales trainers uh, and even other uh, famous marketing experts uh, that copywriting is salesmanship in print. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds a little bit like that's what we're doing here, is that we're trying to get to that emotional core of something. and. Uh, a lot of famous sales trainers also kind of tell us that uh, all selling is really emotional and the decision is made, you know, supported by logic. Uh, exactly. That sounds like that's really true of copywriting as well and because a lot of the copywriting is really just salesmanship in print, that's what we're after? Is that? That's totally accurate. I would okay. probably update it and say it's salesmanship multiplied because now, of course, we're online. And I've written video scripts, and I've written, um, you know, video spots. So it's, it's it's salesmanship multiplied. And one of the elements we may get to if we have time, it's about you know simply switching your media. If something's working well in person, find a way to do it uh, by mail or by webinar or by uh, video or t or teleseminar or podcast. We're doing this by podcast. We're we're living the example of <laughs> of, of of you know expanding our media. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, to answer your question, yeah, salesmanship multiplied, that's kind of my updated definition of copyright. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is, uh, I know your upcoming book is mu uh, Marketing Multipliers. What exactly are marketing multipliers? Well, it's, they're based on, these are things that took me 20 years to learn and typically will take two minutes to execute, so I'm kind of um, happy to share the concept. Marketing multipliers are based on a military concept called force multipliers. If you recall the movie 300, where the Spartans held off the Persians. It was, the story goes, it was 300 Spartans held off 50,000 Persians. 
and they did so for two, three days. The reason being they chose a very narrow stretch of ground to defend and uh, it forced all the Persians to into a bottleneck, into a choke point, and the Spartans were pretty much fighting one-on-one -on -one where they had a tremendous advantage. So by choosing the right piece of ground, the Spartans gave themselves a, mark, uh, a force multiplier, it made them more effective. So a force multiplier is anything added to a fighting force which makes it much more effective. So if you give a guy a, a bazooka, that's a force multiplier. If you give a guy better training, better morale, it's a force multiplier. So the marketing version of this, a marketing multiplier, simply anything added to your marketing that increases its power. Oftentimes the increases are dramatically, um, are dramatic increases. You don't have to change your strategy, and oftentimes these are no cost or low cost. We'll be talking about a few of them today, but again, I, I, I like sharing these, these little things because typically they took me 5, 10, 20 years to learn and you don't need any skills to execute them. They're simply tools or simple mind shifts and um, they're pretty exciting. Great. Kevin, can you um, maybe give us a couple examples of how um, somebody that's already doing a marketing campaign can, you know, utilize you know, what you term a multiplier to make mm -hmm. that more effective. Um, give our listeners a couple examples of how you put that into action with some of your clients. Sure. So these are often small, trivial, really no-cost changes, low-cost changes, but they can deliver really big returns. Um, one of my favorite examples is something I call the paper email. And it's exactly what it sounds like. What you do is you take your most effective message that you've been emailing people you print the thing, put it in an envelope, and you give it the headline paper email, and you mail it to people. And guess what? Uh, email, and I've been writing commercial email now since 1994, I know a few things. On a good day, your email gets opened about 15 to 30% of the time. That's considered a win. If you can get 30% of people to open your email, forget about clicking on it or paying it. And a lot of times, by the way, they're reading it on their mobile phone. And we've all seen guys in the men's room who are reading their email, you know, in there. You know, that, that you're not going to do well if people are, uh, you know, reading your email, sitting on the can or whatever. It's not, it's not going to work in your advantage. So, emails, the the, the trend is largely email down. Is for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and with one swipe of the thumb, your email's gone forever. It's archived. Yeah. It's deleted. So, email still has a place. I'm not saying abandon it, but just know that on a good day, you know two out of three people aren't going to even see your message. So then when they open it, you know, another 70% aren't going to do anything with it. So contrast that with what I call the paper email. You fold the thing up, you put it in an envelope. Ideally, it's a party uh, invitation style envelope. Colored is nice. Or a small square thank you envelope. You hand address it, you put a stamp on it, and guess what? An email, a, a paper email, which comes in one of those envelopes with a live stamp that has about a you know an 80 to 95 percent chance of being open. If it's going to someone at their place at work, it might get screened out by a, a gatekeeper. But not if it looks like a a thank you note, or not if it looks like a party invitation. Those are often going to get through. And bam, there you've got it open 80 to 90 percent of the time. You've just tripled the results, the tripled the effectiveness of your message just by changing the medium, by printing it, making it tangible, making it real. Now you can get cute with the thing. Um, I like to put a big red headline at the top that says paper email. And then my opening sentence is typically, why did I send you this paper email? Question mark. 
Well, uh, what I have to tell you is, you know, really important, and I didn't want this message to get caught in a spam filter. Dot dot dot. And then you can just go back and pretty much paste the message that you were sending by email. So it's really uh, you don't have to be a very clever copywriter. It's mostly changing the medium that you're uh, delivering your message through. And I I've had um, magazine editors call me. I've had interviews with people. Seth Godin. Uh, gave me a phone call from his, from his car. Uh, he's a famous marketing author. This is about seven years ago. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Seth Godin called me, so this might, I might be onto something with this. And since then, I've shown people how to use it. It's fun. It's easy to execute. I had an attorney in Australia um, send me an email about two weeks ago. He sent out a paper email, and he got a new client from it. So it works anywhere that you speak English and that they still deliver the mail. And it, this is one of my favorite examples because Anyone can do this. If you can write and speak English, you can lick a stamp, stuff an envelope, and of course it can be you, can be a teenager, can be your administrative people. But uh, a paper email, it's hard to get the thing wrong, and it's one of my favorite examples of a of a marketing multiplier. You can do this every day of the week. Think of the impact this can have on your income. Well, it sounds like it's kind of a combination of self-awareness and acknowledging that it's hard to get through to the person. Um, but also, you know, it's 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 funny. You know, it's 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 there's a little bit of humor in that. I'm printing out this email and mailing it to you. <laughs> yeah. Email. So, I mean, are you think the self-awareness and the humor, you know, factor into the effectiveness? Yeah, they sure do. And um, look, I I'm Irish, right? We all think all Irishmen think they're born with a sense of humor. We think we're born funny, but you really want to tiptoe around humor nine times out of ten. You, you can often get it wrong. In this case, it's it's not going to offend anybody, and yeah, it does get chuckles, and people will call me, or they'll send me. Uh, I've had, I had a guy take a picture of it, and he posted it on his Facebook group. So you certainly won't get anyone posting your regular emails anywhere. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fun little thing, and it's my favorite introduction to marketing multipliers for people, because really, anyone listening, you ought to be able to see yourself doing this without any effort at all. So, Kevin, uh, with your other uh, marketing multipliers, uh, what would you say uh, makes these ideas different? Is that they're all just little subtle, subtle twists on some other marketing, or are these sort of uh, paradigm-shifting, completely new uh, ideas? Many of these are tangible when you look at them, and so that's working in our favor here. Because, again, a lot of people are trying to be super efficient and going completely online, but by getting something tangible into people's hands, same message, different medium, different results. So, you know, part of the what makes these different is I'm changing the, uh, the, the delivery method. And no extra creativity is required, by the way. If you've been doing anything effective with email or on the phone and you decide to print something and get it in someone's hands, really it's just a matter of changing the medium. Um, other things that I think uh, are, are are, are make marking multipliers effective is that these are tools. Skills can take decades to learn, but if I tell you how to do a paper email, that took about three minutes. I've given you a tool now, and you can use that tool. No skills required. So I'm, I'm looking to give people tools they can use to replace skills that they just might not have the time to learn or execute. Kevin, I'm uh, holding your client cloning kit in my hand here, and uh, you've mentioned several times that it's not as expensive as people think it is. How much do each of these cost to send out for you? 
Again, the, uh, the, pipe bomb, the pipe bomb looking. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do the math from memory here. The, 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 the parts, the tube and the rubber caps from Uline, that's a total of about a buck and a quarter, let's say. And the postage, you'll have to look at the stamps. I believe it was about a buck fifty, a buck ninety. Yeah, there's five stamps on there. Yeah, so that's about, let's say, if those were five 40-cent stamps, my assistant mails those. So let's round it up to $2. Then the printing of the reports inside is probably another 50 cents. So out the door, you're looking at $3.50 to $4 a piece. Now that's not free. Let's say $4.50, right? Well, a unit of sale, if someone engages me for copywriting, it's anywhere from $3,000 to uh, $50,000 per year. Uh, depending on the project. So yeah, I can afford that. And um, the people who won't give me their mailing address, by the way, are just not qualified for my services. So it's kind of a way to, for people to rule themselves out. So I'm, I have no problems spending four, four fifty to get that in the hands of a qualified prospect. So what you need to think about when you're doing direct mail, for example, is do the economics make sense in your business? And if they don't, find a way so that they will make sense. You know, send your stuff to more qualified people. Send your stuff to a tighter, more qualified list of prospects. Don't just airdrop them all over North America. So be smart about your list selection and then the economics will take care of themselves. If I'm only sending out, I mean I've sent packages as much as $100 not to the phone book. No, no, no. It was to qualified prospects and you can get a return on investment for a $100 package if it's sent to the right list. So you really want to step back and make sure that your economics add up. And really, if you step back even further and look at what are your acquisition costs right now, you'll probably be mildly shocked and dismayed at how much you're spending right now to acquire a, a new client. And you know, four or five bucks, in many cases, is going to be a drop in the bucket compared to other methods of, of client acquisition. Well, in our world, we're used to advisors telling us, you know, a 1%, maybe even a half a percent is a good response rate. With your tactics, what kind of response rates are you seeing? That's a good question. I think the better way to examine that is return on investment. So if I spend, um, you know, $1,000 on a, on a campaign and I get a 0.25% response, you know, one, uh, if I get a, a 0.1% response, one out of a thousand, but that one out of a thousand uh, becomes a $50,000 client. Well, my return on investment was about 50 to one. My response rate was minuscule, but because I chose a good list, my return on investment was huge. So the better question to ask yourself is what is my return on investment going to be for this campaign or any other? Response rates are nice and they're a nice rule of thumb, but they're not always the best way to keep score. So you're looking at money in the bank, not uh, response rates at the end of the day. So Kevin, I know you, you mentioned earlier that emotion is a big factor in, in uh, you know, getting people to really connect to your marketing. Uh, and as a professional copywriter, you know, what, what would you suggest somebody that's like an insurance agent or a financial advisor that doesn't make that their priority? They're maybe not uh, great at at writing or certainly not uh, copywriting. Mm -hmm. um, 
how do how do they take the stuff and apply it when it's really not their day to day? All right. Um, I'm going to give you a fifty thousand dollar answer because you, the other way to get this information is to hire me for fifty grand to work for you for about a twelve month uh, retainer. <laughs> so here's how you get the emotional hot buttons in your copy for anybody. You go out on this thing called Google. Have you heard of it? Oh, we have. <laughs> rhetorical question. Yeah, so what you want to do is search for blogs that are related to your industry. So insurance blogs, um, financial services blogs, uh, investment blogs. Just pick a topic. And then in addition to looking for blogs, you want to look for nightmares or horror stories. What you're looking for are, are, are articles posted on blogs that are um, horror stories about all the awful things that can go wrong in your industry. And you want to start looking at those blog articles. And the more unprofessional they're written, actually, the better. You don't want something from Inc. Magazine or Fortune. You want something from you know, Bob's Money Saving Tips, for example, because that's someone who's really close to the story. It, it may be someone who lived it. But, so you want to be looking at blog articles that illustrate horror stories about your industry. And you'll find all kinds of little psychological insights. But here's the key. What you're looking for are comments on those blog articles from people who read the story and felt so moved by that story that they had to share their own horror story. And here is where you find the gold because people are going to say, yes, that's right. My, you know, my, my brother didn't sign up for life insurance and he was shot dead two days later and God, his three kids are out in the street. And you'll just find these story after story and that's your market talking to you. When people take the time and effort to post a comment about a horror story or a nightmare in their life. That is your market talking to you. And that's the, they're writing your promotions for you in the language of your market. So this is incredibly valuable stuff. This is a technique I've used for years. And um, I used it for one of my clients. I helped him, he was buying distressed properties. And if you can, and I wrote a sales letter using these techniques. It was 16 pages long got so good a response that he, he now buys houses by fax or by FedEx. He doesn't even visit the people. They trust him so much. They sell him their homes by fax and by FedEx and by phone. And it's because we just loaded up this letter with uh, horror stories from people who had had bad experiences that my client fixes for people. So if you're, no matter what you're selling, there are horror stories about what you sell. And if you can get those stories into your promotions, you can just totally bypass logic. People will sit up and take notice, and they will think, gosh, this guy understands me. Uh, this is my story. And um, it's an incredibly valuable tactic, and because I'm giving it to you free, you may poo-poo it or decide not to use it, and that would be fine. I'd rather you pay me 50 grand to write this stuff for you, but if you want to take this idea and run with it, you can run all the way to the bank by using the comments from blog postings about horror stories to write your promotions for you. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break, uh, Kevin. Thank you for uh, your time here. More Quantum Marketing Radio here in just a few minutes. Are you independent? Be a part of the cutting edge in fixed life and annuity marketing for the independent agent and advisor. Discover the ECA Advantage, where you'll find the marketing systems, training, products, compensation, and expert support you need to take your business to the next level. 
Sign up for your free ECA agent account to get access to ECA's Knowledge is Power 2016 Keynote Speaker Video Series. For more information, call ECA Marketing today at 800-356-4189 and ask for your marketer or visit ecamarketing.com. And we're back here on Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louie Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy. Hey, Kevin, by the way, that was a great tip, I think, uh, you know, for all the struggling financial advisors out there who can't seem to put uh, their thoughts on paper and get a reaction from it, uh, that'll give them some really good direction. So, appreciate the tip. Thank you. Yeah, when in doubt, let the market write your promotions for you. So. That kind of research is it's not only time-saving, but it's, it's accurate and it's really valuable stuff. Yeah, and we're talking to Kevin Donlin um, with Client Cloning Systems here in the Minneapolis area. Um, I know you consult all over the country. Uh, one of the things that I'm curious to hear your comments and feedback on are turning these effective messages into action. How do you create an effective direct response from the audience you're trying to reach? So that's a great question. It's, um, it all goes back to you have to have a very clear idea. What do you want people to do after they read or see or hear this message? You want to start with that in mind. What is your most wanted response? And you've got to be dead simple and brain dead clear about what you want people to do. See, I'll start the call to action part of any sales letter. I typically say, here's what to do now, or how to order, in big honking uh, type that you just cannot miss. Because people are busy. They're, they're busier today than ever before, and they're distracted. So never, ever, ever underestimate the effectiveness of simply being clear. I have found, especially online, that clarity trumps persuasion. I once delivered, uh, it was just last year, I delivered a half million dollars in new revenue to a one of my clients, all I did was I removed one of the banner ads from the top of his website so there were fewer distractions. As a result, bam, extra half million dollars over a year because it was clearer what I wanted people to do. So that's an example of addition by subtraction. When in doubt, look over your current order form, your current sales letter, your website, and just take off stuff. You don't want to abdicate control and let people wander around your website or read your letter and wonder what the heck does this guy want me to do. So when you're clear on what you want people to do, then you've got to really be clear in your directions. So pick up your phone, call now, 1-800-222-3333. It, you got to give them clear actions, clear instructions, and you ought to be able to read your order form language, your call to action language to a 12-year-old, to uh, a sixth grader. And if their eyes gloss over or if their head cocks to the side and you've lost them, stop there and fix that language. Um, the other thing that motivates response, there are, there are a list of them, but I want to keep this simple. Urgency is a key element in getting people to take action. So you can simply say call now, 1-800, blah, 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 well, that's fine, but call before the deadline of Friday at 12 noon, 1-800. You know, I botched the language. The point is give people a deadline. A specific deadline and it's got to be credible meaning after the deadline it really does end. Uh, deadlines increase response. Another thing that increases response is scarcity. So if you say I've got 50 spots left uh, you know the the room holds 50 for our uh, our dinner uh, seminar next Tuesday 
and we only had 37 people uh, sign up. So really, uh, by the time you get this, we could be sold out. So I, I really hope to hear from you before noon this Friday. Uh, and don't be left out. Call now, 1-800-blah-blah-blah. So if you can inject urgency uh, and a deadline, that's going to boost your response. But really, it, it starts with being clear about what you want people to do and giving them clear directions. Uh, I can go through almost any order form and just looking at it, I can tell you if it was created before the promotion or after. For many people, even copywriters who should know better, they typically will do the order form as an afterthought after they've done the rest of the piece. I will almost always do the order form first and I'll always know what's going in the order form first. But you want to give a lot of attention and time to a clear order form and I'll write the order form first. If I'm doing a print ad, for example, for the newspaper or magazine, um, the coupon is just critical. It's got to be clear, clear, clear. And so I'll do the coupon first for a print ad and then fill the rest of the ad around it. That's how important the order form is. So if you forget everything else I've just said, uh, clarity trumps persuasion. If you can give clear directions, you know what you want people to do, give them a deadline, give them real believable scarcity, you ought to see your response go up. Kevin, just a quick follow-up question here. I know uh, in copywriting it's been said that the long form or longer sales letter is, is often better. I know you just mentioned that you did a 16-page uh, sales letter for one of your clients. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure a lot of our guys are going to sit down and write a 16-page letter, mm -hmm. uh, but how do we apply you know, this clarity to a, maybe a longer letter, uh, and does that make a difference? Should they be short and clear or long and clear? Well, the answer is uh, your sales piece should be as long as it needs to be to make the sale. The more money you're asking for from people, typically the longer your piece should be. You would never send a guy out to knock on doors and say, whatever you do, stop talking after 30 seconds, no matter what. That's insanity. Well, it's the same idea if you say, whatever you do, don't write a sales letter longer than one page. That's insanity, too. So the answer to the question, the age-old question, it gets asked about every 30 minutes by somebody to me or one of my <laughs> friends in copywriting is, you know, do people really read long copy anymore? The answer is yes. They'll read anything that interests them. Uh, if you remember that Dr. Seuss book growing up, my book about me, it was, I don't know how many pages. It's a long book, but it was all about me. So you read every page many times because it was all about me. So if your message is all about the prospect, they will read it. Now, answering your question, the best way to improve the clarity of uh, anything that you write, there are a couple of ways, actually. One is to read it out loud, um, and that will improve your copy automatically. Read it out loud, and you'll catch yourself um, gasping for breath. That means you have a run-on sentence. And tripping over unnatural words, that means you know, write the way you speak. So writing out loud, reading out loud, improves your writing automatically. Uh, second is to, in Word, in most word processing programs, there'll be a, um, a grade level check feature that'll let you know. If you highlight all the copy, it'll say, this is written at an 11th grade level. This is written at a 5th grade level. You want to shoot, believe it or not, for about a 6th grade level, if possible. Uh, if you have to go higher, I would stick to about 8th grade. The reason being that yes, I know your clients are smart, I get that, so am I, and they're not dummies, but they're busy. And some of my clients can't read so well, believe it or not. And they've gotten through college, a couple of degrees, but they're just slow readers, or they're poor readers. So someone who's 
uh, a, a reading whiz, an English major, yeah, they'll blow through your eighth grade stuff and they'll appreciate it because you didn't waste their time. But by contrast, who reads at an eighth grade level, they'll understand it and perhaps it's the first thing they've understood clearly all day and they're going to appreciate you. Either way, people are going to appreciate you for writing at about an eighth grade level. So that's uh, a great tip. And then when it comes to being clear in a long form sales letter, if you're going four, eight, 16 pages, you want to insert subheadlines and break up the copy. No one's going to read 16 pages of you know single space type with no headlines, but if you can inject some um, subheadlines, maybe two or three per page, and if you can inject um, some white space, uh, pictures are critical. Uh, I never send out a sales letter without relevant pictures. So when I say long form sales letter, it's not all words. There are definitely going to be some things to break up you want to, it's, it's called giving eye relief. You want to give people some relief for their eyes and you want to lead them down the entire uh, piece. The, uh, a good way to look at a long form sales letter is you want to look at the subheadlines. It's, it's, it's called a secondary reading path. People ought to be able, people ought to be motivated to contact you if they only read the subheadlines because people are going to scan through your piece and go all the way to the end and they're going to see who this is from. And then, by the way, they're going to see your PS. So your PS is a really important part of any sales letter. That's why all good sales letters have a PS, because it always gets read. People want to know who this letter is from. Oh, PS, and boom. Oftentimes, they'll read the PS before the rest of the letter. So give that a great deal of thought and care. And we're running out of time here. Uh, PS is probably yeah. topic for uh, another 20-minute discussion. But I hope I answered your questions, Jeff, about uh, making longer form copy more readable. Yeah, no, I, I think that gives everybody some good direction, and uh, I know we are running short on time here, uh, so we're going to probably wrap it up here. Yeah, and uh, real quick before you go, Kevin, um, you know, in lieu of receiving one of your pipe bomb-looking uh, <laughs> client cloning kits in the mail, uh, our listeners, if they want to find out more information, where do they go? So the best way to, I think anyone listening to this podcast, especially if you're listening all the way through the end like this, you're, you're the kind of entrepreneur wants to do better and that's what I help people do. The best way to um, get a feel for this is something I call the Marketing Multipliers Club. I've created uh, a club. It's every month I send out a box. It's delivered. Uh, it's a box or a, a lumpy envelope. It's delivered by US Mail. So it's real tangible stuff. Inside are simple tools to build your business. It's just like the stuff we talked about today. It's kind of like Dollar Shave Club except instead of razor blades every month you get bigger paychecks. Does that make sense? I like to deliver your paychecks to my <laughs> members. And so for anyone listening to this, you're invited to visit the, the website. You can get your first box for just right now. It's just a dollar uh, processing fee. I'll send you 11 tools uh, in the first box. It's www.marketingmultipliers.com. Just request your free trial box for the dollar processing fee, and I'll send the thing out to you, U.S. Mail. And again, it's www.marketing multipliers.com and if you don't love it you don't pay so everything I do has an unconditional money-back guarantee including this and I'd love to get one of these into your hands great well it's been awesome having you on the show here and thanks for sharing your wisdom with our guests um, I think there's some good valuable takeaways that they can apply right away so thanks really appreciated your time guys I really enjoyed it and I hope to do it again soon thanks Kevin Thank you.
thank you for downloading our podcast. Find out more about the quantum marketing system at quantummarketingsystem.com.